This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. After four days and 15 rounds of voting, Kevin McCarthy's humiliating wait to become Speaker of America's House of Representatives ended. A caucus of 20 hard-right Republicans had initially blocked his path, but a swathe of concessions, including allowing a single lawmaker to force a vote on ousting the Speaker, eventually persuaded enough of them to drop their opposition. There was little sign that a unilateral 36-hour ceasefire in Ukraine, announced by the Kremlin to mark Orthodox Christmas, was holding. On Saturday, Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, praised the Russian Orthodox Church for backing his, quote, military operation, as troops shelled the Ukrainian town of Bakhmut, near the most fiercely contested section of the front line. Meanwhile, Britain announced the Justice Ministers would gather in London in March to discuss additional support for the International Criminal Court in its investigation into alleged war crimes in Ukraine. Jack Ma will give up control of Ant Group, the Chinese fintech group he founded, as the firm sets its sights on a public listing. Mr Ma fell foul of the Communist Party in 2020 after criticising its industrial policy. The tycoon then disappeared from public view for months. A new listing would suggest the government's subsequent tech crackdown is being relaxed. American jobs growth fell in December as high interest rates cooled the labour market, a consequence of the Federal Reserve's ongoing battle against high inflation. America added 223,000 jobs last month, official statistics showed, compared with 256,000 in November. Still, the unemployment rate dipped from 3.6% to 3.5%. That means the Fed is likely to continue its aggressive monetary policy. America's Food and Drug Administration conditionally approved a new Alzheimer's treatment that may slow the disease's progress following an 18-month clinical trial that showed promising results. The regulator directed the drug, called lecanemab, to be labelled for patients in early and mild stages of Alzheimer's. In 2021, the FDA approved a different Alzheimer's drug and was widely criticised for doing so prematurely. Iran hanged two men accused of killing a member of the Besiege, a volunteer militia that is part of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, according to state-affiliated media. Iran has now executed four demonstrators involved in the months-long protests sparked by the killing of Masa Armini, a Kurdish woman in police custody. As many as 41 others have also been sentenced to death. Around 200 furious customers gathered outside Tesla showroom in China to demand rebates and credit after the electric vehicle maker cut its prices for the second time in three months. Recent buyers feel they have overpaid for their cars, which now sell for 13-24% to less than they did in September. Tesla has slashed prices to help maintain sales after the end of long-standing Chinese government subsidies last month. And word of the week, Maouj the name of a sex education website run by Arab women. 
meaning, quote, wave of sexual pleasure in Arabic. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. China reopens the world. For nearly three years, China isolated itself to stop the spread of COVID-19. The number of international flights tumbled, visas were denied, and those who did manage to enter the country faced onerous quarantines. But the raging spread of COVID across China has now rendered these restrictions pointless. They will mostly be dismantled on Sunday. That will allow many Chinese to take their first overseas trip in years. Tourist hotspots in Southeast Asia, starved of Chinese cash, will celebrate. Foreign executives will also be keen to visit their firm's factories in China, although tourist visas for foreigners remain unavailable. And as China's economy recovers, demand for foreign commodities will probably surge. But the years of isolation have left deep scars. Investors have grown weary of China and more open to moving supply chains elsewhere. And distrust between China and the West has festered. China recently refused offers for more effective COVID vaccines from America and the EU, even as its death toll mounts. Problems mount for Vladimir Putin. At midnight on Saturday, Russia's purported temporary ceasefire in Ukraine, marking Orthodox Christmas, ended. In truth, the fighting never stopped. Vladimir Putin ordered the unilateral truce at the behest of Patriarch Kirill, head of the Russian Orthodox Church and fierce supporter of the president. Mr Putin needs to keep his allies close amid his faltering invasion. The latest setback, a deadly strike on a Russian barracks in the Donetsk region that killed at least 89 soldiers, has brought more public criticism of Russia's generals. And shadowy figures such as Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of Wagner Group, a private militia, are gaining more influence on the battlefield as a result. For now, Mr Prigozhin remains under Mr Putin's thumb, but doubts about the president's militia acumen persist. Moreover, Ukraine insists that Russia will shortly launch another mobilisation in preparation for a large offensive. The first recruitment drive incited widespread protests in Russia in September. Repeating the move would chip away further at the president's authority. Benin's brittle democracy. The people of Benin have had much to celebrate lately. Many of their centuries-old bronze sculptures, which were looted by the British in 1897, are being returned. But that will not assuage the worries of many Beninois, who vote in parliamentary elections on Sunday, about growing cracks in their achievements of helping to lead Africa's wave of democratisation in the 1990s. The last such election in 2019 was a sham. No opposition parties were on the ballot, leading to a woeful low turnout and days of violent protests. This time the Constitutional Court has allowed three such parties to run, though prominent opponents of Patrice Talon, the president since 2016, are still in jail on trumped-up charges. 
Mr Talon, who won re-election in a flawed presidential poll in 2021, promised at the time not to unconstitutionally seek a third term. But many Beninois will have noted his more recent assertions that authoritarian measures are necessary and that democratic freedoms, quote, flirt with anarchy. South Africa's new cricket league. Ever since the wildly successful Indian Premier League was launched in 2008, other cricketing nations have rushed to get their own tournament in the fast-paced 2020 T20 format. In 2018, South Africa inaugurated its Mzansi Super League, but the tournament folded when the pandemic forced the crowds away. With COVID-19 in abeyance, the country has decided that if you can't beat India, you may as well join it. And so, on Tuesday, South Africa will launch SA20, a successor to the Super League, with one big difference. All six teams are owned by IPL franchises, rather than private investors. South Africa hopes to draw on the Indian experience of running a lucrative league. But SA20 will have other competitors, the established T20 Big Bash League, ongoing in Australia, and another new league soon to begin in the United Arab Emirates. Whether fans crave yet more whirlwind cricket remains to be seen. Weekend Profile Andriy Kostin, Ukraine's prosecutor, with a plan. Few would envy Andriy Kostin, Ukraine's newish prosecutor general. His office is short on armoured vehicles, bulletproof vests and kit to detect landmines, which he calls, quote, a real threat to his officers in the field. His office has nonetheless recorded more than 60,000 alleged Russian war crimes, ranging from torture and executions to strikes on over 400 medical facilities. Allies have lent him investigators, but with only about 200 Ukrainian war crimes prosecutors, the team is stretched thin. An inauspicious discovery led to Mr Kostin's appointment in July. His predecessor was dismissed after numerous prosecutorial officials were suspected of collaborating with Russia. But Mr Kostin, a law graduate of Odessa National University, is himself not entirely free of controversy. In 2021, Mr Kostin's candidacy to lead an anti-corruption arm of the institution he now runs failed. Watchdogs saw, quote, significant violations in his ethical conduct, including two visits to occupied Crimea, failure to report a sale of real estate to a different anti-corruption body and, quote, possible nepotism. Mr Kostin now dismisses the matter as a, quote, historical question. In the present, he is crafting a bold agenda. He describes Russia's war as genocide, noting that Russian officials have spoken of, quote, de-Ukrainization. He says some 14,000 cases of Ukrainian children being forcibly taken to Russia and Belarus amount to, quote, stealing Ukraine's future. Mr Kostin believes that most cases of Russian war crimes can be tried in Ukrainian courts. They have already convicted 21 people of war crimes, 
some in absentia. More ambitiously, Mr Kostin would also like to see Russia's top leaders tried for aggression against Ukraine. But neither Ukraine nor the International Criminal Court have the legal authority to do so. Mr Kostin is therefore lobbying hard for the creation of a special international tribunal, possibly by a vote of the UN's General Assembly, no small undertaking. The tribunal's priority would be to try Vladimir Putin, Russia's president. Many countries will hesitate to lend support, but outrage over Russia's war, Mr Kostin says, is steadily building the necessary political capital. If Mr Kostin succeeds, he will have made his mark on history. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were Alexa Baker, Berlin, Germany, Mike Saw, Philadelphia, United States, Peter Nicklin, Naivasha, Kenya. They all gave the correct answers of The Reverend Collins, The Moon and Sixpence, Watts, Henny on Thames and Kenneth Starr. The theme is famous drummers, Phil Collins, Keith Moon, Charlie Watts, Don Henley and Ringo Starr. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nikola Tesla. Of all things, I liked books best. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 